0: Every time I watch it, I think he's going to catch it. Every time. I mean, that was the 1995 Indianapolis Colts in the AFC Championship game. They weren't supposed to be there. They weren't supposed to be very good that year at all. The Steelers were supposed to win that game. The Colts have been kind of living on a hope and a prayer the entire season. This is the year that the quarterback for the Colts, Jim Harbaugh, got that nickname, Captain Comeback, which is a pretty cool nickname to have. And this is that last play of that game, five seconds left, touchdown wins it, we go to the Super Bowl. I remember watching this game, you know, you're on the edge of your seat, and he just, he kind of throws up the prayer, an act of desperation, it like hangs in the air, it's like slow motion, and you go, please God, let him catch it, please Lord, just take the ball and put it in his hands. I mean, I'm not ashamed. I prayed that prayer. I did, and I, so so that's happening. And there it is. And Aaron Bailey drops the ball into the game. Colts lose. Very sad. You know what that play is called? A hail mary. That's right. It's called a hail mary. That's because it's an act of desperation that only can happen if divine intervention makes it happen. And that's what. Happens. It's the last play of the game, oftentimes, because there's no other hope. There's nothing else that we can do. Now, one of the first times that that was mentioned was 20 years earlier, a guy named Roger Stahlbach, and he said he threw up a pass and said a Hail Mary. He was a Roman Catholic. A Hail Mary is a prayer in the Catholic Church. Isn't it curious that we use a term for prayer to represent desperation. Isn't that interesting? This is the last play of the game. People don't go out, if you're watching football today, they're not going to run out and throw a Hail Mary on the first pass or the second one or the third one. They only do it when they absolutely have no other recourse. There's nothing else that they can think to do but to throw up a prayer. I think we kind of understand this. We associate prayer at times with being the very last option for us. When there's no other hope, when we're at the end of our game, we have to just throw up something in an act of desperation so that God would intervene in less than ideal circumstances. Nobody wants to throw a Hail Mary. They have to. Desperation can drive us to pray. In my life, some of the most rich prayers even, some of the times that I spend the the time in prayer are the bad times, times when I'm in anguish. Maybe there's a severe illness that I'm aware of. Or there's hurt in a relationship in my life. Or I don't know what to do. Or I feel that God is so distant and I'm at the end of my rope and I'm desperate and I'm anxious and I'm concerned and I don't know where to turn. So I finally throw up a prayer and say, please, God, help me. Now, I want to be, want to be clear. That's not a bad thing to do. It's good when we're at the end of our rope that we would turn to God. That's a good thing. This is a way that he talks about it. This is Psalm 34, 17. He hears us. He cares about us. This is what it says. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. It's not a bad thing to throw up a prayer of desperation. But if your only prayers come in a crisis or out of fear, or when you're at the end of your rope, if that's the only time that they come, that means the rest of the time we're relying on something else. And in my life, I have to confess to you, the rest of the time when I don't feel that sense of desperation, I'm relying on my own will or my own strength or my own knowledge or my own cleverness. I'm relying on me. I'm the focus, except for when I'm throwing up a desperate prayer. And I have to be even more honest with you. Sometimes I get there, and all that prayer is about is me. Me, 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 please, 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 God, please, please help me. That's the survivalist way of praying. It helps us survive. Maybe we make it to the next time we feel desperate. But God has made us for more in our prayer life. It's not just to survive, but to thrive. Now, we're in this series called Thrive, and we're talking about how we can stumble through life, and we were made for more. And maybe if you're like me, that you're used to throwing up desperate prayers when we don't know where else to turn, if you're like me, there is hope because we were made for this deep, rich, full, thriving relationship with Jesus. And prayer can be a significant part of that. Now, one sermon on prayer is a drop in the bucket. So I was thinking, where do we start? How do we start this conversation about prayer? And I thought, you know, it would be a good place to start with Jesus's own words about prayer. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start with what he has to say about prayer. And then he gives us an example of a prayer. This is in Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible app, that's where we're going to spend most of our time. We're going to start in verse 5. Now, this is a time where Jesus has gathered up his disciples. There are a lot of people actually listening to him. There's there's a lot going on. And the book of Matthew is talking about Jesus' teaching. Now, the book of Matthew is a gospel. That stands for good news. Gospel equals good news. And it's just talking about the life and ministry of, of Jesus. And he's there ministering, teaching to these people. He teaches about all sorts of different things. He's teaching about what it means to be blessed. He's teaching about anger. He's teaching about loving your enemies. He's teaching all these things. He's teaching about generosity. And then he comes to this section on prayer. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's the best sermon of all time. This is right smack dab in the middle of it. And that's where we're going to pick up Matthew 6, verse 5. This is Jesus talking. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So Jesus is saying, hey, you know these hypocrites who love the sound of their own voice? You ever been around somebody like that? You know, maybe, maybe I've been like that at times, you know, where my voice changes when I start to pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, right? Because I'm more concerned with what other people are thinking about me praying than I am about what I'm praying. These verses, for somebody who stands up on a stage and teaches and prays in front of people, terrifying verses, right? Because it says, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly, and I pray publicly, and this is scary. So what's he saying? Is he saying don't pray with other people? No, he's not saying don't pray with other people. He's not even saying don't pray in front of other people. What he's saying is don't love the sound of your own prayers. They're more about God than they are about us. If you're more concerned with sounding good in a prayer, that's the reward you'll get. You'll sound good in the prayer. So instead of being on a street corner gathering attention for yourself, this is what he says. Go away into the closet. Shut the door. God's there, just you and God. That's what he's saying. Jesus says, this is the first point. Jesus says, when you pray, this is so simple, find a place. Find a place to pray. Have you ever bought a house? When we moved to Columbus, we had an amazing real estate agent, and she was showing us all sorts of different places all around town, right? And after she kind of got a feel for what we liked, we looked at a bunch of different locations. What was interesting is every single time we went and looked at a house, she would say, this is how far you are from the ridge, because I drive here almost every day, right? I work here. So she'd say, this is how far you are from the ridge. This is what school district you're in, because that's important. And this is how far you are from Walmart. <laughs> that's what location, location, location means in Columbus. Now, so what is Jesus saying here? He's saying location, location, location. Not because he's a real estate agent, but because he thinks, he's saying to us, find that place that will help you pray. So why in the world would he start here? So he's saying, hey, don't be a hypocrite. Find a place. Why would he start there? Well, one reason is because of what he just said. We have this temptation of impressing other people, of caring about what other people think when we pray. He said, so don't do that. Go and pray by yourself. Then he says, hey, praying behind that closed door can remove those distractions, can help you focus on God instead of on yourself. And that's the principle. Find a place because that helps you pray. There's nothing magical about this. He's not saying it has to be this exact place. He's saying just find a place that helps you do this. Maybe that's a specific place in your house. Maybe you have a chair, or a place for quiet time where you can set aside 20 minutes to, to pray and to read your Bible and to interact with God. For me, I have a couple of places that help me focus. I need the place. It kind of helps me get into the mindset. One place at our house, we have this little kind of small home office where I can close the door and act like I don't hear the kids screaming and yelling and knocking on the door. There's There's an office here that I have. I love spending time in there. Come in early, stay late, and spend time there. I also have this place that is a bench in a specific park in town. I love that. I've got to turn off my phone, turn off the distractions, close the door, so to speak, and pray. There's nothing magical. I want you to hear me. There's nothing magical about that. I'm not special in that way. Just find a place. That's all he's saying. Find a place that will help you focus on him. I'd also suggest if you're finding a place and you haven't before, find a time as well. That's one of the excuses that I use a lot. I don't have time I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to spend time with God. So get up 20 minutes early. Stay up 20 minutes late. Pause Netflix. Spend 20 minutes in between your two shows. Find that time. Find that place. Prioritize that time with God. So that's the first thing that he suggests. He says find a place. Where else does he go? Back to Matthew 6. This is verse 7 now. When you pray, don't babble on and on and on and on and on. As the Gentiles do, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Don't babble on. What do you think that means? Well, it's important for us to know that there are some false gods that people believed in at the time, and they thought that they had to wake up their god by repeating the same prayer, by yelling the same prayer, by babbling on so that their God would wake up. Well, our God is awake. Now, I also think that this statement is a caution against saying the same prayer over and over and over again without really thinking about what we're praying. Have you ever been in that situation where you're praying and you realize about halfway through, I'm not even sure what I'm praying about. I did that growing up. Now, we kind of would go back and forth, my brother and I, like for, for meals. You know, we'd pray before the meal. Hey, you guys want to pray? And let me see if I can remember it. This is what it was. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Please help us have a good day today and a good day tomorrow. In Jesus' name, I pray amen. Every meal for years we would pray this. we like, all right, Adam, it's your turn. Okay, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. Please help us have a good day today and a good day tomorrow. In Jesus' name, I pray amen. Do you think that I was really thinking about what I was praying. Now, that's good as a kid. It gives you into the habit. It it allows you to, to practice praying. It's not that saying the same prayer over and over and over again is a bad thing. What I think he's saying is you have to be paying attention to what you're saying. What's the meaning behind it? Why are you praying what you're praying? Don't babble on aimlessly. God already knows what you need Before you ask him. That's the second part. He's saying you don't need to go on and on and on. Because God already knows. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your head. Your prayers don't need to be eloquent. Your words don't have to be fancy. They just need to be focused on God. That's it. Because he already knows what we need. And he's already going to provide for us. If we're following him. He hears us. He cares. So combine those two things. Uh, Don't be a hypocrite. Okay, check, that's good. Don't babble on, actually mean what you say. What's he saying here? Remember the purpose. Remember the purpose. That's our second takeaway, remember the purpose. So there are many purposes to prayer. A lot of good reasons why we should pray. Here's one. Prayer helps us surrender to God. So the focus should be on God alone. I was kind of paying attention over the last couple of weeks to my prayers, and I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times I and me are in my prayers, like a lot. I write them down, and so I could count, like a lot, too much, and it's because I'm more concerned with me, 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 please, 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 act of desperation, please, 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 God, instead of being worried about surrendering to what he has to say, what he desires for me. Instead of seeing things through the lens of what I want or what I need, prayer helps us surrender that to God. Later in this same sermon that he's given, he says this. Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. It's Matthew 6.33. Seek God above all else to surrender in him. That's what that means. We've already learned, hey, God will give us what we need. He already knows. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in our head. Isn't it funny that we think we have to tell him? God, I'm going to let you know. Here's what's going on in my, in my life. He's like, I know. I'm there. I get it. We surrender to him when we pray. That's one purpose of praying. Here's another one. Prayer draws us closer to God. It's like spending quality time with somebody. We know that that's true, right? That when you spend time with somebody, that helps your relationship, that intentional focused time. That's something called the proximity effect. Here's the idea. Being near someone tends to increase how much we know them, how much we understand them, and then how much we like them. Isn't that interesting? That's proximity effect. Have you ever heard the term, distance makes the heart grow fonder? Nope. It's not true. Here's how maybe we know that. Anybody like go, you know, to summer camp or something in the summer, and you you like find a relationship at the summer camp, you know, because you're spending 18 hours a day with them and they're just the best. They're so awesome. And you're, you know, writing hearts around their name, you know, all that stuff. And then you get home. And like two days later, when you haven't spent any time with them, you're like, uh, we're done. Because proximity is what was the most important to you. That's what helped build that relationship. That's what helped you interact was the amount of time that you were spending together. And prayer draws us closer and deeper into that relationship. When we say that relationship with God is the most important thing, Prayer is a way to specifically spend time with Him. Helps us draw closer to Him. Number three, prayer changes things. I know that's a generic thing to say. And there's a lot that can go into this. So I just want to say a couple of things that, that prayer can change. Praying for others can change our perspective. It goes from selfish to selfless maybe it's called intercessory prayer praying for somebody else do you have a broken relationship in your life something something that you are holding a grudge some bitterness somebody you need to forgive i challenge you to pray for them by name and turns out since god already knows what's going on in your heart you can tell him god i don't want to pray for them he knows but something happens. Our hearts soften when we pray for people, when we're actually praying for other people. It helps us focus on other people and not ourselves. Prayer can also change our desires, our heart. So it stops being about me, 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 please, 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 please. And it starts to go, God, what do you want? God, How do you want me to behave? It changes our desire. It kind of aligns us with God. And God can, if he chooses, respond to our prayers, and that changes things too. So prayer changes things. So Jesus tells us, find a place, remember the purpose. And then he gives this actual example of how to pray. He just says, all right, pray like this. This is called the Lord's Prayer. We actually sang this in a song today. Here's the Lord's Prayer. This is verse 9. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. There's so much richness in this prayer. I mean, Jesus is saying, if you have the right heart... If the purpose is in the right place, you can come before the God of the universe. We don't let that sink in. The God of the universe who created you, who created me, who creates the platypus and the giraffe, who created stars in heaven, same God. We can come before him and he already knows what we need. This example of prayer shows us, hey, this isn't something that only a few people can do. This isn't something that you have to be able to stand on a platform and do and impress other people. We can all learn to pray. We don't have to use fancy words. We don't have to be able to do it really, really well. God can help us. We can pray a short and honest prayer like this. And so he's saying, hey, to take that next step, pray like this, use a process. Use a process. Jesus gives us an example. It's not the only way to pray, Jesus has already said, hey, there are a few things that you shouldn't do, and there are a few things that you should do when you pray. Don't be a hypocrite. Go into a room, kind of focus on God. And now he's saying, this is the process to get you started. There are a lot of examples of processes. Here's one that I use that's really helpful for me. My mind wanders a lot. Can you relate like I sit down and I'm like supposed to pray. I'm like supposed to be praying and I'm like, this is what I need to do later. Where am I going to lunch? Hope the cults do well today. That's what I'm thinking because I just can't. it's hard for me to focus. Or sometimes when I'm even desperate and I've got all these feelings and things going on inside of me, I just have them hard. It's a hard time for me to articulate them to God. He, even though he knows, I just, it's hard for me to focus. So I journal my prayers. Literally start with Heavenly Father, comma, and I start to write them. They're not eloquent, believe me. I am sad, period. Right? Stuff like that. But it, it helps me focus. It's helped me slow down enough to actually sit and actually spend some time with God. At the end, I literally write, amen. Now, there's nothing fancy about that. I'm not the only one in the world who does that. I'm just using that as an example because we have a lot of excuses about why we don't do this well. I did for a long time, and I've been challenged to go sit down, actually use a process to help you out. So we're going to use another process to help us out today. It's an acronym, A-C-T-S, ACTS, A-C-T-S. We're going to start with A, adoration, adoration. So you've identified this time You've identified a place to pray. You're praying. And oftentimes we start with, dear God, this is what I want. This is what I need. Help me, help me, help me, bless me, bless me, bless me. If you start with adoration, that's more about who God is. Literally list who God is in your mind, in your journal. God is the creator of the universe. God loves me more than I can love myself. God knows me. God is everywhere. And you start here. And these are things that we might even already believe. But he starts there in his example of prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name will be kept holy. It will be set apart. You're special. Your kingdom, it's not mine, it's your kingdom should come. Allow your desire, your will to be done, not mine. It's more about who God is. And if your prayers start with who God is, that's a good place to start. Adoration, A. C, confession. So we focused on who God is. Now it's time to remember who I am. Just be honest. I am a child of God. I am loved. I fall short. I sin. I make mistakes all the time. I'm not good at this prayer thing. And you just tell him, hey, I confess. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have fallen short. I'm sorry that I'm not focusing on you. I'm sorry that I said this or I did this or I believe this. I come before you, the God of the universe, adoration, and I tell you this is the truth, confession. It's a great progression there. Who God is to who I am. Then the T, thanksgiving. So you've talked about who you are. Then you start to say, thank you for what God has given and I'd challenge you, if you have a hard time doing this, write them down. Say, hey, over the next couple of weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, great, great time to do that. Write two things down that you're thankful for and you don't get to repeat. And you, you find after a couple of days when you've gotten through, you know, house, relationship, job, car, you start to go, I'm incredibly thankful for a lot of different things. And it changes that perspective your, your dreams, your church, your community, air conditioning, heat. These things that we take for granted that God can provide. Thankful for Jesus and the way He loves me, provides for me, the way He stood in my place on the cross. I'm thankful. So you adore God, adoration. You confess, this is who I am. Then you say, hey, I'm thankful for what you have given, and then S is surrender. So you're talking about what he's given you, that's thanksgiving, and then you talk about what I am going to give him. Now I want you to notice something, A-C-T-S, none of them represent ask God for what you want. Here's, here's why. It's not because God doesn't care about our requests. This is what he says, Matthew 7:8. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. We can ask. He encourages us to ask. That's not what he's saying. Remember, he already knows. He knows what we need. He knows what we need better than we know what we need. And he challenges us, and this is why I love this surrender word for the S he challenges us to say less of me, more of you instead of listing my ask my laundry list of what I want, what I want me, 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 please, 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 bless me, bless me, bless me help me, help me, help me he already knows that's going on in our heart and we say, okay God, what do you want me to do? how do you want me to act? where do you want me to go? You're asking, but it's a different question. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, surrender. That's just one example. There's nothing magical about the example. It can just help us, if you're stuck, kind of work through a process to pray. Now, there's an empty blank at the end of your notes. And I know there are are some folks in here who are like, just tell me what to fill in there so I can, you know, fold it up, put it away. I get it. The reason that that's there is on a day that we're talking about prayer, I thought it would be a good idea to actually spend some time praying and to spend some time praying about the answer to that question. What's your next step? How does God want you to fill in that blank? What does it look like to surrender to him? So will you bow your head with me? I'd like to pray specifically for God to fill the blank for for you and for me before we leave. Heavenly Father, we're thinking about prayer today. We're talking about it, and it's not lost on us that we don't fully understand it, and that you're incredible, that you want this relationship with us. You're the creator of life. You've created each one of us. You know how many hairs are on our head right now. You know exactly what we need better than we know. You love us. You are amazing. And we confess, I confess, that I get in the way of that relationship. And at times, I come before you with this this list and these wants and these desires and I haven't given a whole lot of thought or energy or time to to thinking about who you are. And i I don't slow down and acknowledge that you know already what's going on in my heart, that you've already provided. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for speaking more than I listen. And forgive us, forgive me where we fall short. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for these people here today. I want to thank you for the way that you guide us and direct us and provide for us. I want to thank you for Jesus and how he on the cross stands in that gap for us so that we can have this full, right, abundant relationship with you. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we surrender today and we humbly ask, what's that next step you want us to take? How do you want us to fill in the blank Is it to find a place, remember the purpose, practice a process? What does it look like for us to go out of this place today, having filled in the blank, not the way we want to, not the easiest answer, but the way that you lay on our hearts right now? That's what I ask. That's how we surrender today. Help us not leave this place before you have filled in the blank for us. How would you have us fill in the blank? Lord, thank you for today. Help us take that next step that's pleasing to you, that we might focus our eyes on you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen.